And our gospel lesson comes again from Mark chapter 6, and then we'll look briefly at a couple of verses in Mark chapter 14. Hear God's word. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And he said to them, how many loaves, I missed something, so sorry. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and all of the fish, and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. And then in chapter 14, the Last Supper. And as they were eating, he took bread. And after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come as the people of your pasture, the sheep in your flock, And we need you. We long to hear your voice. We ask that you would speak by the power of your spirit through the gospel of Mark to us. Um, Lead us beside quiet waters. Make us lie down in green pastures. Restore our souls. We ask by the power of your good news. And help us to see you, Jesus, and to embrace you for who you are. 
Christ's name we pray. Amen. I believe it was the first time in my life that I had ever had a panic attack. Um, I believe it was the first time that uh, gripping anxiety ever kept me awake or woke me up in the middle of the night. It was the first time. There have been plenty since. We were running out of money, and we were running out of time. Um, We were almost a year and a half into a church planting project, uh, something that Christine and I had dreamed about doing for a long time. Uh, About 10 years ago or so, we were given the privilege to try to plant a church in a suburb of Knoxville, Riverside Church, um, with the idea, the vision that uh, as Ezekiel's vision of the river flowing out of the temple uh, would say, uh, there's a verse there that says, where the river flows, everything will live. Um, We wanted to be that kind of church, that the spirit would flow out of our little congregation through Hardin Valley and make people live. Um, But it wasn't working out. Uh, All kinds of reasons, but what it came down to was we were running out of money. And uh, it was only going to last so long. And that's what kept me up at night. One night in October of 2008, I went on a kind of a spiritual prayer retreat, and I was actually at uh, Windy Gap, the Young Life Camp in North Carolina, which is gorgeous. And I remember taking a walk that night, the sky was clear, I could see stars like I'd never seen before, um, and I was, I was just crying out to God, uh, what's going on? What's going to happen? Would you please tell me? Um, Are we going to make it? Um, What do I need to do? I'll try try to find other work. What can we do to make this Riverside thing work, Lord? That turned into complaining, kind of like the Israelites complained to Moses when they were in the wilderness and they had nothing to drink, nothing to eat. Why did you lead us out here? Just to die? I was saying, Lord, why, why, did you, why did you have me lead these people out here just to die? Why, why would you let this riverside plant dry up? As I waited for an answer, no answer. God does not talk to me audibly. But I was listening, I was looking, I was thinking. And my eye caught the Big Dipper, you know, that giant water dipper in the sky. And I was looking at it, and it wasn't audible, but I sensed that the Lord was saying to me, what do you, what do you think of that dipper up there? How much water do you think that would hold? 
plenty, lots. Um, would it be enough for you in this desert that you're in? And then there's this phrase, this question. Am I enough for you, thirsty one? Am I enough for you? Am I going to be enough for you in whatever desolate place, whatever wilderness, whatever desert I lead you into? Little did I know that actually, yes, that was the beginning of a 10-year desert. The church plant did not make it. And God sent me and my family packing to Egypt, also known as Dallas, Texas. <laughs> my apologies to my friends who love Dallas. Um, it's not East Tennessee. So in a sense, it, it's a physical kind of desert. But for us, uh, it represented a, a spiritual desert as well. Um, to get there and think, okay, the Lord's got us out of this one hard place. We're good. We're in a, we're in a place that was some, somewhat familiar with some folks we knew, friends we knew from the, our past days in Dallas. And six months later, we found out we were in another desolate place. And without the details, 10 years of what I would call a wilderness. So the question that I heard that one night is the question that has haunted me since. Am I enough for you, thirsty one? The late David uh, Pallison once wrote this, the ultimate question that runs through everyone's life and through the whole Bible is, who will be your shepherd? The ultimate question that runs through everyone's life and the whole Bible is, who will be your shepherd? And I think that's what my heart wanted to know that night was, Jesus, will you be my shepherd? Um, even as you call me to shepherd your people, will you be my shepherd? Can I trust your heart? Are you as good a good shepherd as you say you are? Can I trust you? Are you enough for me? So knowing what I know of Many of your stories, though I don't know them all, uh, I know many of you are in a desolate place now. Um, in one way or another, you're in a wilderness. And Mark wants to show us this morning that Jesus is enough. Jesus is the shepherd who is enough. So let's look at him, because 
Where else should we look? Look at how Jesus showed his compassion for this crowd and his disciples that day. I'm beginning to believe the more I look at this story that this was more for the disciples than the crowd, but, but we'll include them too. And as we look at this, we'll discover the compassionate heart of our good shepherd for us. Mark says that the apostles returned to Jesus and told them all they had done and taught. You remember uh, earlier in this chapter, Jesus had sent them out two by two to go preach repentance and to heal and to cast out demons to essentially do the ministry that Jesus had been doing. Curiously, he sent them with no bread. Something to take note. So they'd come back and they're reporting all they had done and all they had taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. So here's the good shepherd already at work. He's going to lead his disciples by still waters and into green pastures. He's going to restore, restore their souls with a little rest because they've been shepherding others. And Mark goes on. For many were coming and going, and they, the disciples, had no leisure even to eat. I mean, they were hungry. They weren't just physically, I mean, spiritually depleted from their ministry. They were physically hungry. And they needed to eat. Mark goes on. They went away in the boat to a desolate place all by themselves. So now they're on their way. But as often happens for folks who are in some sort of giving themselves away ministry, whether it's church ministry or doctors or lawyers, teachers, moms, people giving themselves away to others, Uh, They need rest, and they're heading to rest, but nope, the needs catch up with them and follow them anyway, and you can't quite take that rest yet. Many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And now watch, as Jesus interrupts his shepherding of his disciples by giving his disciples a real-life picture of just what kind of good shepherd he is. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. He saw a great crowd. Maybe those, uh, the, the tunics or robes that they wore as they contrasted on the background of the green grass, maybe they looked like a, a bunch of sheep out there. He saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he set up shop and started to feed them. That's not what it says. He had compassion on them. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. In fact, as we see, he taught them all day long until it was late. It was like Jimmy was preaching or something. So wait a minute. They're like sheep without a shepherd. He has this great compassion for them, and so he teaches them? Is this how you show compassion, Jesus? You're going to teach them many things? I was struck by that this week. 
Jimmy, maybe the best way I can have compassion on you when you're in your desert is to teach you something about me. To teach you that I'm your good shepherd and you can trust me. Now, what, what exactly did he teach them? This frustrates me in the Gospels where it talks about Jesus taught and Jesus did this. Jesus spent 40 days after his resurrection teaching his disciples about the kingdom of God. And I want to know, where's the transcript? What did he teach them? We don't know. Mark doesn't tell us. But I wonder, I wonder, since Mark's account of this very famous event has so many allusions to the theme of God as the shepherd of his people, I wonder if maybe... I'm not saying this with any authority. I'm just saying maybe he taught from some of those Old Testament stories. And all of these folks he's teaching would be very familiar with the Old Testament stories about God being the shepherd of his people. Maybe he taught them about bread in the wilderness, how God shepherded his people through his shepherd Moses how God provided manna, bread, in the wilderness. And even even when Jesus had the people sit down in groups of 50s and 100s, you know, that's an allusion to Exodus 18, where Moses, with his father-in-law's advice, divided the people of God into groups of 50s and 100s and set people over them so that he could organize and shepherd them better. So maybe he taught them, maybe he taught them Psalm 7720. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Maybe he taught them about Elisha, the prophet who multiplied bread. Here's a story you may not have known, but these people would have known this story. A man came, this is from uh, 2 Kings, a man came bringing the man of God, Elisha, Bread of the first fruits, 20 loaves of barley, and fresh ears of grain in his sack. And Elisha said, give to the men that they may eat. But his servant said, how can I set this before 100 men? 20 loaves, 100 men. So Elisha repeated, give them to the men that they may eat. For thus says the Lord, they shall eat and have some left. So he said it before them, and they ate and had some left, according to the word of the Lord. Had you ever heard that story? I don't remember that story. 20 loaves for 100 men. Ha! That's nothing. Five loaves for 5,000 men plus women and children. So it could have been 20,000 people. You know how many total people there are in Signal Mountain and the town of Walton? Around 10,000. So Jesus fed twice this mountain with five loaves, two fish. Maybe, so maybe he mentioned Elijah, I don't know. He had all day. Maybe he taught them about their shepherd king David, Psalm 78. Maybe he taught them Psalm 78, where it says that God chose David his servant and took him from the sheepfolds and following from following the nursing ewes, and he brought 
him to shepherd Jacob, his people, Israel, his inheritance. And with an upright heart, he shepherded them and guided them with a skillful hand. Maybe he taught them about David, who's the ultimate shepherd king. Maybe when Jesus commanded them to all sit down in the green grass, Mark noticed that he specifically says it was green grass. Maybe when Jesus made them all sit down in the green grass, maybe Psalm 23, 2 came to their minds. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. So maybe Jesus taught them about King David, the shepherd. Or maybe he reminded them about what the Lord said through his prophet Ezekiel in Ezekiel 34, about how all the shepherds of God had sent, uh, how all the shepherds that God had sent to shepherd his people had failed them miserably. This is what Ezekiel 34 says. I would invite you this afternoon, sit down and read the entire chapter of Ezekiel 34 and think about Jesus as the good shepherd. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts, since there is no shepherd, and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep, therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds. And I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. Maybe Jesus went from preaching to meddling and started preaching about God's distaste for shepherds who don't feed his sheep. And then maybe he went on to the next part of Ezekiel 34, which was this promise that the Lord himself would come and shepherd his people as the Messiah King who would be all that David was meant to be and more. God said in Ezekiel 34, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost and I will bring, bring back the strayed and I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. Wait a minute, this is written after David. So he's referring to the Davidic Messiah king who is coming, whom we know as Jesus. I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord God, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord, I have spoken. So maybe Jesus was, was teaching them about God, their shepherd. And maybe in the midst of that, Jesus reminded them that all the shepherds God had sent so far were not enough. Those shepherds are not enough. Their political shepherds were not enough. Moses was good, but not enough. David was good, but not enough. Solomon, okay. And it went, you know where after that, they were not enough. 
Maybe we need to be reminded that our political leaders are not enough. The story right before this one in Mark is the story of Herod the king. Talk about a shepherd of Israel who failed. I wonder, I wonder if you and I all too often attach ourselves to political shepherds. Whether they be shepherds of elephants or donkeys, doesn't matter. They cannot lead your heart where it most needs to go. Maybe like the people of Israel, maybe we have had religious leaders that disappoint. We happen to be a church that has a lot of folks who have been burned out at church, burned out by church, burned by church, burned by shepherds. Maybe we've put too much stock in our human religious shepherds. And the temptation will be that you're going to put too much stock in this shepherd and this church and her shepherds. You're going to come here and go, I like Mount Fellowship. It's not like that other place where such and such happened. Warning, (laughs) do not put your heart's stock in human shepherds. including these, we will disappoint you if we haven't already, which we've been here long enough to do that. There's all kinds of other shepherds that disappoint. And like Jesus said, they steal, they kill, they destroy. Just whatever your closest relationship is. Whatever your closest relationship is, I don't care what age you are, whether it's a marriage or a friendship or a, parent relationship or a spouse or whatever, whatever that relationship is, it cannot bear the weight of your soul. It can't. It cannot shepherd you. In our consumer culture, cannot shepherd you. It's designed, in fact, to make you dissatisfied so that you will be dissatisfied with what you have, what you look like, who you are, so that you'll, and then they offer you a shepherd. (laughs) Hey, does this shepherd dissatisfy you? Try ours. 45 easy installments. Or maybe it's like me when I was planting Riverside. Maybe it's your job that you hope will shepherd you. Maybe it's your work. Maybe it's your role. It doesn't have to be the job that you go to, to the office. It could be the role you have. It could be being a mom. What are we shepherd, what, what shepherds are we following and asking them to satisfy us? Friends, listen. Jimmy, listen. 
as Spurgeon said, you will never know the fullness of Christ until you know the emptiness of everything but Christ. So I ask you, I ask me, are you empty yet? Are you dissatisfied yet with all the other shepherds? Jesus is better. Jesus is enough. So now I want to ask Mark, so okay, you're presenting Jesus as the good shepherd, as the one who is better than all the other shepherds that have come before. How do I know? How, how can I trust the heart of this Jesus, this shepherd you say is good? So then Jesus teaches why we can trust his heart by what he does after he finishes teaching. So it's late. They're hungry like I am. It's funny that on the morning that I'm preaching this, I am unusually hungry. It's late. They're hungry. The disciples are like, let's get them out of here. We're hungry too. Let's get back to our rest. Jesus says, well, you, you feed them. Come on, Lord. This isn't funny. You know, it would take 200 days wages of a laborer to feed this crowd. Where are we going to get that? Jesus says, well, what do you have? We've got these five loaves and two fish. Two fish burgers and an extra piece of bread. Bring it to me. And listen to what Mark says. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. That word means, it's the word eulogy. He says a good word over the bread. And he broke the loaves and he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. These are, these are trigger words. Took, blessed, broke, and gave. Those are the same four words that every gospel writer uses to describe what Jesus did as the last, at the Last Supper when he said, this is my body. He took the bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it. It's the same four words that were used when after his resurrection on the road to Emmaus, those two disciples had a meal with Jesus and he took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to them and their eyes were open and they saw Jesus. They saw that it was him. There's something special about those four words. And I think this is what Mark wants us to see. The reason Jesus is the shepherd who is enough is because Jesus gave himself for you. Jesus was taken. That word means grasped. He was gripped by God. He was chosen by God. Isaiah says that God said, this is my chosen servant. Jesus was taken 
and he was laid in a feeding trough where perhaps sheep ate from. He was laid in a feeding trough in a town called Bethlehem, which means house of bread. So God took Jesus, the bread of heaven. He took him. He put him in a feeding trough in a town called House of Bread for you. Jesus, the bread of heaven, was blessed when Jesus was baptized and when Jesus was transfigured on the mountain right before he set his face to go toward Jerusalem to the cross. The Father said the same blessing, the same good words over Jesus in those two places. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The bread of heaven was blessed. And then he was broken. Isaiah 53. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquity. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, the bread of heaven, the iniquity of, all, of us all. And so like the wheat that is crushed to make bread, Jesus was crushed in our place, Jesus was broken. He who knew no brokenness of his own, he who knew no sin, was broken for us so that we would know the satisfaction of life with his Father forever. Jesus was broken for you. That's why he's a good shepherd. And Jesus was given. Jesus was given. One of my favorite verses is Galatians 2.20 where Paul, at the end of it, says, the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He gave himself. He gave himself. You tell me what other shepherd feeds you with himself. Tell me what other shepherd feeds you with himself. Your good shepherd was taken, blessed, broken, and given for you. That's why you can trust him in the middle of your desolate place whatever it is. Mark says they all ate and were satisfied. Satisfied. They were full. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough for you, hungry one. And Mark says they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. 
I wonder what that might have said to the disciples. There were 12 of them. Jesus is more than enough. Jesus is more than enough. I wonder what that might have said to Israel. There were 12 tribes. Jesus is more than enough. He's the shepherd you should trust. Jesus is more than enough for you, Mountain Fellowship. And all that is left for us to do this morning is to turn away from all those other shepherds, turn away from all that other bread, and come and feast by faith on the one who is more than enough. And if you're thinking, I knew this about Jesus, well, so did I. But do you believe it? Father, you are asking each of us if we think Jesus is enough. in the middle of our desolate place. And we have to confess that all too often we don't think so, even though we know so. So we come and repent, and it may take some time this week for us to continue to repent, to turn away from all those shepherds, to throw away all that not enough bread, and to turn our hearts back to rest in the good shepherd who became our bread, who gave himself for us. So even now as we come to the table, the very table that is the best picture of how good the good shepherd is, this table that you have set for us in the presence of our enemies, would you come, Holy Spirit, nourish us by your grace. In Christ's name we pray, amen.